Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode, because it is time to drop in. This episode, we are connecting with Nikki Colmoni, who is a certified shadow work practitioner specializing in womb shadow work. Thank you for being open to having a conversation with me today, Nikki. I am so excited to have you. And I like to open up these conversations by sharing a little bit about why I invited you to be on the podcast. So for me, I think that it is really, really important that leaders are people who are willing to go first, to do the thing that nobody else has done, to be a bit of a trailblazer. And in that trailblazing, they're doing things to help other people. They're helping pave the way so that they can go back, lend a hand, invite somebody forward, and maybe their way is a little bit easier because of the work that you've set Mm -hmm. forth and done yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And you definitely embody all of that. Um, You just even specializing in womb shadow work is very unique and rare Mm -hmm. and very much, you know, a pioneer type moment. Nikki is the owner and founder of the Dark Goddess Collective, which offers services and programs dedicated to help heal women through trauma in order to step into their soul's purpose, which we totally need more of that, (laughs) through her program, Womb Alchemy, which I think is enrolling right now. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Right. Well, now, like in when we're recording this. um, (laughs) So if you're listening to this, you know, when it's launched, you're going to have to wait until the next round potentially. Um, Nikki teaches women how to use their trauma as passion and purpose by discovering their confidence, creativity, and inner magic in order to align themselves to their unique purpose in this world. So Nikki, for the people who don't know you, Mm -hmm. if you could share a little bit about your journey, because you weren't always Nikki, the womb shadow work practitioner. (laughs) No, I was definitely not. Um, but you know, I, it really kind of starts off with what you said is that trailblazing because I feel like so much of my life has been about that. Um, people would be like, oh, like you can't do that or you should be doing this. And I'd be like, hell no, like, (laughs) I don't want to do that. That sounds stupid. (laughs) Like, you know, um, and I would always just pave my own path and, even my family to this day is just kind of like, Nikki, you just, you just always do your own thing. You know, <laughs> like that's just like how I've always been. Um, and so I think, you know, for a long time, I struggled really hard with trying to figure out what I was supposed to be doing. What was my purpose here? And, you know, I had a lot of the world and society and family kind of try to plant ideas in my head, but none of it felt right. You know, it just like didn't deep down, you just knew like, that's not really actually it. You gave it a go, but you're like, no, that's not it. So I was kind of a jack of all trades. I did so many different things. Um, and then, you know, eventually I decided to go back to school and finish my degree. Um and I I took a solo camping trip, and it really kind of changed my life. Uh, that was something that I would never, ever do before, like, before that moment. Um, 
Where did you it, go camping? <laughs> I, so I was living in Wisconsin. That's where I'm from. Um, okay. And I went like three hours up north just by myself. And people are like, you're going with a guy. And I'm like, no, I'm literally going by myself. Like um, people couldn't believe that I was doing this. Um, and I had never camped like that before. I didn't even know how to start a fire. <laughs> like nothing. I had no idea. So this people is why I a reality show called Survivor with more skills than you had. <laughs> I'm glad you're still here and talking to us today. (laughs) This is my personality. It's just like I get an idea and I'm like, yeah, let's just do that. (laughs) I'll fucking figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I did figure it out. And it was the most mind-blowing, amazing weekend of my life because it was the first time I really was by myself Mm. and had to depend on myself because I was so afraid to be alone. And after that moment – you know, I went back to school and um, I went to kind of like a very different college and which is a whole separate story. But basically, we got to make our own curriculum. And so I was talking to my advisors and I was like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I want to do. And one of them was like, well, what did you do this summer? And so I told them about the camping trip and they were like, oh, my gosh, like, sounds like you should be studying that. And I was like, camping? <laughs> like, how, how do you study camping? Um, and so then I, I looked into it and I started, I started researching wilderness therapy. I started, you know, learning about, uh, neuroscience and the brain development and especially how, how the brain, um, ages, uh, after trauma, especially, and, Mm. and things just started to click. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is why I struggled so much as a young adult. And this is, um, why that weekend was so life changing for me. Um, and I actually, my thesis, I, I basically turned into a book and that was my first book. It's called the nature mind fuck. It's on Amazon for anybody that's interested. That sounds um, like a fantastic read. I will be adding that yeah, to my list. It, <laughs> we will drop a, the link in the show notes <laughs> for all of you. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mix of memoir and like self-help basically. Um, And so that really kind of introduced me to quote-unquote shadow work in a sense. Um, And so I decided I wanted to start my own business and I wanted to help people with this, but I didn't really know how to go about it because I wasn't a licensed therapist. I wasn't anything like that. And I had a huge background in nutrition um, and that was something I had been certified in. And so I very... I, I tried to pair that with nutrition. It didn't end up working out. But what it did do is it landed me in a, a spiritual business coaching group. Um, and that's where I found Danielle Massey, who is my mentor, um, who you're going to have on the podcast, it sounds like, mm-hmm. soon. Um, and she was talking to us about shadow work. And she was like, telling us all about what it was. And I was like, holy shit, this is what I studied. This is everything I studied. This is it right here. So I immediately booked sessions with her. And my very first session uh, with her, we ended up going into my womb space. And it was a cold stone church. And it was a miserable. And um, I just like, I, I was blown away that my religious upbringing was like 
literally housed itself in my womb. And that's why I felt so disconnected and didn't know who I was or what I was supposed to be doing. And so I did, you know, several different sessions with her. And over the course of that time, I know each time I was always going right back to the womb because that's what I needed. And I realized like, this is the work I'm supposed to be doing. And she kind of helped, you know, confirm that for me. And so I, you know, I started doing that work. I, I did her certification um, for shadow work. And, um, you know, because of my own journey and everything that I have gone through in my life, um, all of the religious trauma, sexual trauma, creative blocks, sensuality, like deprivation, like all of this stuff. Um, womb shadow work kind of was just born throughout my own healing process. And I realized like, you know, I don't want to do just any kind of shadow work. I, I want to do that because there's so many other women out there that are so disempowered and they think it's normal. Um, mm -hmm. They think that living this way is that that's just how life is because that's what I was told. But mm -hmm. I, you know, for some reason, I had the sense to be like, fuck that. I don't think that that's real. I don't think that's true. And I'm just going to keep looking until I find it. And I eventually did. And so that's kind of why I'm so passionate about what I do and helping women find that for themselves. And I do that with womb shadow work. And that's kind of how that was all born. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's really interesting to me because when I work with people who are really, really living out their calling, right? And this is like, you don't necessarily get to pick your calling. It is yeah. really something you are called to. And Oftentimes, it really does come through us alchemizing our own lived experience, our mm -hmm. own healing journey. Um, and I think that that's because we really can't speak with clarity or passion about things that we have not experienced firsthand. You can offer people, you know, information. Um, you can offer people, you know, how-tos and things like that. But even, you know, being a therapist, I know that, you know, oftentimes like clients who would come in with addiction, right? They would be like, well, do you, have you ever been addicted to anything? And I honestly, the truth for that for me is no, I, I haven't. Mm -hmm. right. So yes, like I can talk to you as, you know, a therapist, but like I can't talk to you as somebody who truly understands that, that lived experience and what it is to go through that. And no, we can't ever understand a certain person's experience with something. But even I work with a lot of um, people who have gone through or who are currently dealing with chronic illness because that is a part of my lived experience. That's a part mm -hmm. of my story. So when they're like, man, like I really had a hard time getting through the day today and I just feel like what's the point? I, I feel that. Like I yeah, get that. And so right. it's a lot easier for them to talk and listen and relate because it's part of my experience and they know that. Um, so I, I think that that's like a really powerful piece that, you know, for anyone listening to this, who's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like, look at what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Look at what you're going mm -hmm. through. Look at the things that maybe like you were told that aren't making sense to you and think about where things are not aligning or things are not resonating and maybe start to look in the in-between spaces mm -hmm. there. The other thing that I think is really interesting about your journey is that, Sometimes we hear that people are like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Nikki, she's a natural born leader. 
it sounds like that is actually true for you, where you are a person who is always questioning things, who is always kind of like looking for the thing that maybe didn't add up or didn't make sense. You weren't just somebody that was quick to say yes or go along with whatever you were being told or the dominant narrative, even though it sounds like a lot of that was very present, right? It -hmm. sounds like there was a very clear dominant narrative given to you or prescribed to you in your earlier years. Can you share a little bit about what that was like for you to really start to question something that was basically like surrounding you for the majority of your life? Yeah. I'm. So you say, you know, I I had that strength to, to, you know, just say like, this is not that I'm just going to do this thing. Well, that's true, but it's also not true. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I bought into it, you know, I, I was the biggest Christian out there. I, you know, I tried really, really hard to fit in. I lied to myself for years and years and years, but I think the thing that always, you know, came back was deep, deep down. There was like this little voice saying, that's not right. You know? Um, and I think that that's that little voice sometimes no matter, you know, it, no matter how squashed or s- small it is, you can still feel it there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it was for me. So even though, you know, I was really big into Christianity and I tried really, really, really hard on the outside, my family was like, oh, what a good Christian girl, blah, blah, blah. But in the inside, looking back, I can just be like, yeah, I never really was. Um so, but I think in those moments, I definitely did buy into it. I suppressed everything about myself, my true self, to be something that I wasn't. And I, it fooled myself even. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, you know, we're going to kind of talk about this. You had mentioned you wanted to talk about autism because I found out I was autistic. You know, that goes right in hand with that too is like I masked so well that I fooled myself for 30 plus years, you know? So I think it's the same thing. It So yeah, I mean like growing up, I think looking back, I can be like, oh yeah, I never actually believed that. I had questions about that, but it's in those moments that it's so difficult. That's so hard. Um, and I did, I, I did struggle. Um, I still sometimes struggle because, you know, you have family members that, you know, push back a little bit and you kind of fall into those uh, old beliefs like, oh, yeah, what if I am wrong? Oh, and but it's easier to catch now, you know, whereas mm-hmm. before when you're you're in it, it can be so I mean, that's your narrative and that's all, you know. So I think that you know, for anybody listening that can identify with that, I think they can also probably identify with that small little voice, like something inside of them that's like, yeah, but even though they don't know what's on the other side of that, but like, you know, they, they know that there's a, but, um, and I think that just following that, it's going to lead you to somewhere. And I think that that's always what I had, Hope in something that I always told myself is what I'm doing isn't working. So I got to do something drastically different. I got to do something I haven't done before if I want anything to change. 
Um, and I, I said that to myself so much. I, I said my, that to myself. Um, I went from, you know, kind of being atheist, jumping back into Christianity head first, you know, and I said that to myself, but that still didn't really do it, you know, jumping back into, well, I th- I'm going to pretend to be a Christian, but I don't really know what I believe. You know, it's just, so I think that you just have to get to that point where it's just like, well, what I'm doing isn't working and I'm just going to figure, I'm going to do try something different. And and I think what you said before is perfect, is, is look at the journey that you have, that you're currently in, you know, um, everything that I do, um, I've gone through. And I mean, you're so right. I have a lot of clients that do um, mentorships with me after a while that they're like, now I want to start my own business and stuff. And it's like, well, what what business do I want to start? It's like, well, what's your story? Because you're, you are your first client, you know? And that's essentially how all of these amazing coaches and stuff are born because they're just helping like earlier versions of themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So Yeah. And it's, it's not easy to do. And I think this is why for me, I really think that wanting to have a podcast where I'm like interviewing people who have gone through this is so important because when you are looking to step into leadership, right? And I don't care if you're a coach or if you're a parent or you're just like looking to show up as a leader in your own life, meaning that you are making your own choices that are in alignment with your truth. It is really difficult to do because we're stepping out of usually what was prescribed or given to us. And that fear of rejection is a really, really deep fear. And we think about, you know, back, you know, not too long ago for thinking about things in the grand scheme, we lived in community, right? So if you were rejected, what would happen? Like, you're probably not going to get shelter. You're probably not going to get enough food. You might not get protection. So being rejected by the whole, right, or your community, that probably meant that you weren't going to live all that much longer. Right. Right. And so that fear of rejection, it feels very visceral to us. And it feels like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to die. Like if these people don't accept me, like it's not going to be good for me. And so I need to fit in because fitting in equals survival. So -hmm. when we break out of that and we go against the grain, that is so important in terms of really recognizing that, again, doing shadow work around this. I can do this and still be safe. I can do this and still survive. I can do this and still be worthy and deserving of Mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. It's a hard first step to take though, because again, our body is feeling like this is going to come down to whether we're going to survive or not. Mm -hmm. It's a very real and valid thing that's coming up, but is that actually real and true in terms of your particular life? No, but it Mm -hmm. takes awareness and our ability to have those conversations, which oftentimes are made easier in the context of shadow work um, to be able to really unlock that and feel like, okay, yep, my body can feel like this, but I'm still going to go over here and make this other choice anyway, even though it feels hard Mm -hmm. and it feels like Mm -hmm. a life or death situation. Um, And I think, you know, just kind of going back and touching a little bit on the masking, I think is something that a lot of us do. Um, You're like even more of an expert for reasons that I'll allow you to kind of get into. But 
again, especially as women or, you know, people who are raised female, we are taught to do whatever we need to do to make everybody else comfortable, to be polite, to fit in. Um, So that's oftentimes why it's more difficult for women and female identifying people to be able to step up and step into leadership because oftentimes it means going through that rejection wound um, and really being able to self-regulate in that process. Can you share a little bit kind of going back into the masking, like since you were so good at it, how did you even come to realize that you were doing it? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question, because sometimes I don't even know I'm doing it. You know, like it's it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, You know, I think I get I got to the point where I've done so much shadow work, like countless hours of shadow work. And there were still some very basic things that I struggled with that didn't make sense. You know, like the the change of routine. Why did that lead to such an epic like meltdown you know or like thing little things like that and i would dive into my shadow and i would uncover things but there were some things that just never truly changed and not because they couldn't be healed or anything like that but because i didn't realize that just my brain's a little bit different i am autistic and i'm also adhd um and so I think that once I realized those things, I, I when I realized that, okay, for some reason, you know, some of my shadow isn't around these issues, isn't totally like I'm not seeing the results I normally see, that's when I started kind of researching a little bit more about it. And I was like, holy shit, I think that I am autistic and I have been autistic my entire life. And sure enough, the more people that I I looked at their stories, I looked at their symptoms, their, you know, what they were dealing with, I was like, yeah, I definitely am. And that is when things started to shift and heal for me. Sometimes mm. I think the realization of just, you know, just sharing, like hearing people going through similar things and sharing those experiences, you could be like, holy fuck, that's me too. I had no idea that that's what that was, right? When we have some conscious uh, awareness around some things, um, and for me, you know, when I was conscious of the fact that I was autistic, that's when I was like, Oh, okay. Then it was like all of the shadow work I had done previously on those things, it all started to fall into place. It all started to make sense. Um, you know, and it it started to actually like integrate and work. Um, because it was a big part of shadow work is action. Um, you know, if but if you don't know what to do to integrate and take those action steps it's going to make healing that shadow a little bit harder. So for me, you know, I could go back into my inner child and I could heal certain, you know, memories of me stimming and being embarrassed by it, but without knowing the full context of why I was stimming or what I was doing and how that made me feel and all of that stuff, realizing that I was autistic and I was doing those things to self-regulate, without that knowledge, it it didn't hit the same way. 
you know? And so once I figured that out, then it's just kind of like, it was just, it was like that missing puzzle piece and it all kind of fell into place. And then I started taking different actions and started doing different things, creating more boundaries where there needed to be, um, you know, before just saying yes to things, just being like, okay, let me think about that for a second, you know? Um, and that's when it really started to to happen, I think, for me. Um, it's so, so, yeah, I think that it's really just a combination of you, knowing yourself, you know, in the shadow and then taking those action steps, you know, in your waking life and figuring things out in your waking life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really what it comes down to is acceptance, right? And yeah. unless we know ourselves, we can't fully accept ourselves. And mm-hmm. there's so much that can be done, you know, in the subconscious realm, but there is still conscious work that we need to do as human beings to yeah. learn about ourselves, to be be able to do identity work. Like, who are you? Who do you want to be? Who is the highest version of yourself? What is your truth? Um, you know, even things that maybe you didn't know about yourself that are going to impact how your brain is actually functioning. And if your brain is functioning in the way that we consider to be like neurotypical, um, and if, if it's not, what things do you need to be able to accept about yourself so that you can put yourself in a position to thrive? Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like so many people, whether you have a label or a diagnosis for it, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Yes, it's helpful yeah, because right. then we can be like, oh, I have or I am um, or I struggle with whatever your you know preferred theme is for that. And this is why X, Y, Z. But sometimes we might not get a label or a diagnosis, but that doesn't mean that we have to then continue to force ourselves to adhere to situations or to be able to relate to other people and environments in a way that doesn't feel good for us. Even if you never were able to uncover this about yourself, it still is okay, right, to have boundaries Mm -hmm. around how much you take on emotionally or sensory-wise, like what feels acceptable or comfortable for you. And I think that, you know, that's a big message that I really try to impart to people is that ultimately you don't need to have a reason for setting yourself up to thrive in this life. And I think also when, you know, we're bringing it back to leadership, leaders are people who are willing to like stand up and be like, this is me. This is who I am. This is how I need to like function and operate in the world. This is how I'm setting myself up for success. I take ownership of who I am and I'm willing to put in the extra intention and effort to make sure that I am showing up as my best self so that I can then show up as my best self for others. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am a little curious now that you've been able to uncover and do the work around acceptance, what are some things that you have incorporated into your life, both personally and professionally to help you really make sure that you're showing up as your best self? Yeah, I love that question. So I think that when I found out I was autistic, that's really, it was a good turning point for me. Honestly, I feel like people who are neurodivergent, I like to I like to say that they're neurospicy because neurospicy. I love that. I don't term like too. the word <laughs> I don't like the word divergent. Um because I feel like uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people who are neurospicy are um honestly just like 
gifted as fuck, right? Like, I think that there are people that just like go against the grain. And like, if you can hone that, then you've got a lot of power there and a lot of leadership, right? Um, So I think when I found out that I was autistic, that's really when I hit a turning point, both, you know, for my personal life, but also professionally, because then it was kind of like, okay, I can't just like hustle my way into this because like, that's just, I can't like mentally that, that defeats me and then I'm down and I, I can't do this. I can't help anybody if I am like, you know, in the fetal position on the floor. Like I, I can't, I can't do anything. Um, so yeah, I, I think, one of the biggest things that I like to do and it takes like two seconds is just to check in with myself be like, Hey, how many spoons do I've got right now? Or like, you know, what's my energy at right now? Um, you know, and, and just kind of checking in and, and, and just starting to identify like, okay, something like washing the dishes takes literally all of my spoons. So if I've got none to start with, am I going to wash those dishes? No, I'm not going to do that, right? Like, because I don't need to. Um, Or just, you know, same thing with my business. If there were things that took so much of my energy, I was like, you know what? I just, it's okay. I don't need to do that right now. I'll save it for a day when I've got the energy for it. Um, And so it just kind of helped create some boundaries with myself and the expectations I had on myself. Um, And most of those expectations come from society and upbringing anyways. Um, And are they for you? No, they're usually not. Um, You know, my energy is like, I can do a little bit of work and then I need a shit ton of rest um, because that's just how I am. And so... I tend to, with my ADHD brain, it's kind of like, okay, let's do all of these things and just burn ourselves out so we have nothing left and then you're dead for days, right? And so I know that I get that way now. I I understand where that comes from. And so it's just that constant check-in helps me to just be like, okay, we aren't going to fill the list of to-dos. We're going to do three things and then we're going to, you know, just take the rest of the day to just do what makes us feel good, what recovers, right? Um, And operating in that way in my personal life and in my business has really shifted things a lot for me, just energetically. Um, It's just much more enjoyable. I feel much more myself. And that's not to say that I don't have days where I, you know, really struggle or especially if routine changes that that's a big struggle for me. Um, but then I know, okay, we've got company coming on this day. So here's the boundaries I'm going to set for that. And then I'm going to recover for after that. I'm going to do literally nothing for the, the couple days after that. Right. So I think it's just knowing how you operate. Um, setting up those intentions or those boundaries and checking in has, has been huge. And, and I think that that's something so simple and, and so minute people tend to be like, Oh, that's, 
give me, give me like a a better, (laughs) a better example. And it's like, no, if you just check in with yourself, you'd be surprised at how you're hustling on something and you feel fucking drained and you're trying to give some, something a hundred percent and you've got nothing left in your tank. That's, that doesn't work. Um, so, so I think that those check-ins are, have been huge. Yeah. And it's, surprising how much we Mm -hmm. actually don't check in with ourselves like at all ever Mm -mm. um being you know a therapist and a coach like i open most of my sessions with really like hey like how you doing um and it seems like such a you know bland question but most of the time when somebody says like how are you really good fine like we don't actually take the time to truly answer it but when like a coach or a therapist who you're paying to like actually listen to your true answer asks you that question yeah. and you take a pause and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually like not okay. Whoa, yeah. I didn't even realize like how not okay I am. Oh my gosh, right? Because we're just basically taught to numb, to not feel, to mm-hmm. go through yeah. this whole life right. on autopilot and to just go through the motions and just do all the things and keep it external, 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 look outward, look outward, look outward. We're really not taking that time to look inward and to even have the ability to have the awareness to then self-regulate, right? Because self-regulation is like, that's a whole other conversation that we could have, but (laughs) you need to know how you're doing. Like that's like step one is where are you at? Um, And I think that it's so interesting. The other point that you touched on that I think is really important to reiterate. I remember way back when I was a baby therapist (laughs) and um, I was working in children's outpatient for a nonprofit that shall remain remain nameless. <laughs> and uh, I would see all of these kids, mostly young males, um, whose parents were dragging them in and they're like, you know, little Johnny here, it's got ADHD. I put him on the medication. Like now we're in therapy and like we need to like get him to just sit still and pay attention and do what all the other kids are doing. And it never sat well with me. It never, mm-hmm. ever sat well with me. And mm-hmm more of my therapy would actually be educating the parents about the fact that their child's brain just works differently and how amazing that is and what a beautiful gift that is and how much they're going to be Mm -hmm. able to do Mm -hmm. something different with their life because their brain works in this way. And it's not something to squash or to try to like, you know, get Mm -hmm. them to like fit in. It's actually something to cultivate and to nurture Mm -hmm. because they now have this innate ability to do it differently. And that is so necessary, especially looking at the way that the world functions now, right? It's so many people are breaking out of the status quo and the people who are actually like secret, you know, millionaires overnight or whatever are all those kids that they were putting on the ADHD meds back in the day and telling them to like sit down and be quiet. And what are they doing? They're sitting there daydreaming of all the different things that they'd rather be doing with their lives Mm -hmm. than sitting in math class, learning something that they're never going to use. So I love that you brought that up because I am 100% with you there. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the shadow work especially and also just finding out about my autism and ADHD and how to manage that has made me a much better mother. Mm. Um, my children are neurospicy too, um, obviously, because I am. And um, they 
they're going to freaking change this world. I already know it because they're going to have tools that I never had because I'm going to provide that for them and I'm going to make sure that they get that. So instead of being like, oh, like at school, you need to sit and be quiet. I'm going to advocate and be like, hey, I understand that, you know, this has been a struggle. What can we do to assist him in learning? Can we, um, you know, maybe have him sit on the floor cross-legged instead of his seat? Is he able to just kind of stand in the back of the room or whatever, right? Like it's, I'm able to advocate now um, Mm -hmm. instead of just being like slap on the wrist, like, nope, do as you're told. Um, Yeah. It's definitely made me a better mother. And, and Mm -hmm. you're right. You're right. Absolutely. All of these kids are going to change this world. Um, and we're, we are already are seeing that, you know, there's tons of people when COVID happened, tons of people left their jobs and started doing the things that they're passionate about. And we're seeing all of that success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of advocating, if you could share any advice with someone who, you know, whether they have a label or a diagnosis or not, feels like they need things that they're not allowed to need, right? So maybe they have family visiting and they need breaks and they feel bad or their family's going to be like, what's wrong that you're like taking time away from us? Do you not like us? Um, (laughs) You know, how would you kind of encourage somebody to be able to advocate um, for themselves in those types of situations? Yeah. So I laugh because it's literally just happened for me um, over the holidays. So um, it's just funny. I, you know, it's Christmas and my entire, we li- we now live in Nashville and my entire family came down from Wisconsin to Nashville and it was very overwhelming. And I love my family despite our differences. I love them very much. And seeing them all in one room was amazing, uh, but overwhelming because it was loud and there was lots of people and it was different. Um, and so at one point I kind of went into one of the quieter areas of our home uh, where my mom was and she had a headache. So she was kind of just laying down and and I sat down and she was like, what's wrong? And I said, oh, normally I would have been like, oh, nothing. I'm fine. But I was just like, no, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. And she immediately took that personally and was like, well, why is it us? And, And I was like, well, yeah, but not in like a bad way. Like it's just overwhelming. It's loud. There's a lot of things going on. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. Um, there's nothing bad about it. And and she just kind of was like, oh, okay. And she kind of grabbed my hand, and it was a nice moment that we had. And I realized in that moment, like, man, if I could just tell it like it is, so everything would be so much easier. I think we just go straight to the assumption that people are going to handle things poorly when we, you know, lay down a boundary or something like that. But you can lay it down with love, you know, like, yeah, you guys are the problem, but it's not, it's not a bad thing. Like, I love you and I'm so happy you're here. It's just different and it's just a little noisy and I'm just taking a breather, you know? Like, I I think that, I think 
a lot of times people get scared of boundaries and things like that because they think like, oh, I have to be super firm and like regimented and just, you know, harsh. And that's not the case. Uh, You can lay it down with love and and if they take it poorly, that's more of a reflection on them. Um, that that's their shadow. They're they're getting upset because maybe they feel unworthy or they feel something, um, and that's not your responsibility to coddle. Uh, it really isn't. So your responsibility in every given moment is to handle your shit. Um, you know. So if you're feeling like overwhelmed and you're feeling just out of body and just not good, like you have every right to just go and do whatever you need to do to get yourself good. Because if you do that, you're going to have a much better experience with the people around you and much more efficiently and quickly too, if you just try to force it. It's it's like I said before, when you're you know, trying to give something 100% and you've got maybe 5% left in the tank, like it doesn't fucking work. You know, it's the same thing. It doesn't work. So don't, don't even try to, you know, hustle through it, you know, just, just state it. I'm feeling this and, you know, it's, it's just a feeling there. You, you don't have to take it personal. It's just a feeling. Um, and I think the other thing too is there's so many times that I recognize that ah oh shit I masked and I didn't even realize it and I get a little like oh, man why didn't I just say I was feeling overwhelmed or do this or do that just give yourself some love and grace that you're not perfect and you're learning about yourself every single day and it's not always going to be this, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I set this boundary and it went really well. And, you know, sometimes you don't and you forget. And it's after that you're like, oh, I should have said that, you know, and that's okay because you take that for next time. Everything that we ever experience is something to learn. And we grow by taking action from the things that we've learned in the past. And, you know, so just take that and roll with it. So. That was like, that was a kick-ass response. Oh, I love that. I love that. That was great. No, that was like, that was literally like, if, if anybody was looking for like a little, you know, a little therapy, you just kind of like listen to that last like 10 minutes. That'll solve a lot of your problems, I promise you. <laughs> so speaking of taking responsibility, we've kind of like touched a little bit on shadow work and how that's kind of helped you in your journey to get to know yourself, to self-regulate, to, you know, essentially be able to come to terms with who you are, how you want to serve in the world. And your unique specialty is womb shadow work. So if you could share a little bit about what it is, who it's for, who it might help, who can help, you know, own their shit through some womb shadow work. Um, I would love to hear all about it. Yeah. Well, there's so much to share. I'll, I'll try to <laughs> try to sum it all up, I guess. We can um, have Nikki back for a part two. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, so womb shadow work is the process of diving into our unconscious mind. So all of the things that we repress, all of the things that we are completely unaware of at the same time that we're diving into our physical like womb space or our sacral chakra. Um, and so 
What that means is I specialize in helping people that have repressed sensual, sexual, creative um, type trauma. Um, And uh, typically, we'll see a lot of things uh, within the womb space that have to do with just like our personal power um, and passion, anything that, you know, gives us some sort of passion in life. so, you know, soul purpose type stuff. Uh, we see a lot of inner child stuff in there too. We, we also see a lot of uh, balance between masculine and feminine. So it's a great place to connect to if you're trying to balance those energies out. The womb really is all about balance. And, and me being a Libra, it's absolutely perfect um, because it's the balance of our masculine, our divine masculine. It's our balance of divine feminine, and it's the balance of our darkness and also our lightness. And we all have a unique energy, um, like code, I guess. Um, Some of us are more masculine. Some of us are more feminine. Some of us are more dark. Some of us are more light. And that's not to say that gender has anything to do with it. It's just the energy, right? Mm -hmm. So me, I am a woman. I identify as a woman, but I'm kind of more of a masculine woman. I've always been a tomboy. I'm always into... I played D and D, like you know, all of those things, right? Um, I've always been a little bit more of a masculine woman, but that doesn't um, have anything to do with my gender. Um, I've also always been a little bit darker than I've always been light. Uh, I'm into dark shit. I like spooky stuff. I've always liked spooky stuff, and there's pieces of me that you know tried to deny that, um, but. The, the more womb work that we do, what we're essentially doing is balancing all of those energies out. And so that's how we find ourselves. That's how we find what we're meant to do in this world. And that's how we find embodiment. Embodiment really is the just the practice of balancing all of those energies um, and finding those practices that work for you. Um, and so that's really what it's all about. And as far as who can practice, literally everybody in this world should be practicing it. There's a lot of reasons why. And there's some womb workers out there that will say only women with wombs can practice womb work. And I say that that's a bunch of shit. Um, everybody has a sacral chakra and, um, you know, and, and, and it doesn't matter whether you have a physical womb or not. It's really just the space that we're talking about, right? So for some of us, we have a physical womb, but for some of us, we don't, and that's a sacral chakra. It's the same space. It's the same energy. It's it's the same thing. The other thing is, is that we're all connected to a womb in two different ways. Physically, we're born from a womb. That's how we're here. And then um, energetically, like in our soul, is born from a womb as well, right? We call that God, creatrix, goddess, whatever you like to use. We're born from that. Um, And so we all come from the same place. So we all have a connection to womb. And so everyone should be doing womb shadow work or womb work in some regards because 
it really is just the balance of those energies. Uh, that is what womb work is all about. And everybody can benefit from that especially men. <laughs> you know, like there's so many men in this world that need it, but of course because of how demonized that feminine type work is, there many won't ever do it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think really just coming back to that word of balance is mm-hmm. so important and I think that's one thing that I've learned just from um consuming your content on social media is that it is a really great space to work in to get that energetic balance like you know there's all types of uh subconscious work there's all types of conscious work there's all types of somatic work um but womb work really is about you know kind of clearing things out so that you can have those balanced energies but not necessarily balanced in terms of 50-50 balanced in terms of what is your unique energy signature and really coming back to that so that you're vibrating in alignment with like your highest self your deepest truth mm-hmm. um and i think that that is such a beautiful thing i see that a lot when I used to work uh, primarily with couples. I would, you know, have basically both, you know, were embodying a ton of masculine energy and they Mm -hmm, were like mm -hmm. not attracted to each other. They weren't intimate with each other. They were fighting all the time because, you know, especially in, you know, I was working pretty much in like, you know, the, you know, suburbs of Philly. So I had like the dual income, but mom was like doing everything, cooking, cleaning, running the kids everywhere, making sure everybody had their stuff and working. So like, full masculine energy just to like get shit done. And Mm -hmm. then dad, you know, was trying to be like, well, I'm the dad, I'm the, you know, I'm working on the bread. Right. And so they would just be so at odds and like, there was no polarity and there was no balance because both of them were just hyper existing in um, the masculine and that like, and then, you know, the mom would really feel a lot of resentment. The dad didn't feel like he was able to be in like in his Mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking in very like heteronormative terms because that's mostly like who I saw. Um, at that time, but being able to exist in a balanced energy is, it's just so important for like regulation purposes and also to have healthy polarity in our relationships as well. Right. I mean, absolutely. And, and yeah, you're, you're speaking in kind of like heteronormative, uh, you know, experience, but, but that how many of us have experienced that? You know, it's most married couples go through that and we wonder why they're not happy or why they don't have a sex life or why their sex life is shit, right? Like there's a reason because he is not owning his masculine energy and she is not owning her feminine. Um, And honestly, like it sounds, well, it doesn't even sound silly. It sounds like, yeah, that makes sense. Um. But my sex life got so much better the more womb work I did because I started to realize what sex really was. Um, And it's really just about owning your own authentic, energetic balance, right? So I am in a heteronormative relationship, Um where I am more feminine than my husband, who is more masculine. And so when we're intimate, that is the energy exchange that we have. And what that should really be is that masculine energy of safety and protection and helping and, you know, really just 
that type of energy. And then the feminine is all about nurturing and nourishing and, um, you know, that flow, right? And mm -hmm. those two energies work so beautifully together. And when you have those come together in those really pure forms and you are intimate, that's, I mean, that's essentially what sex magic is all about. That's, that is beautiful relationship. And then you start to see that relationship grow like outside of the bedroom. Um, and, and that that's essentially what makes that relationship better. Now you can apply the same thing if you have same sex couples, right? There's always going to be someone that has a little bit more masculine or a little bit more feminine. It doesn't really matter. It's just about owning your own unique energy, balancing that out, coming together and having this reciprocal like energetic exchange, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really what what sex should be all about and that intimate relationship should be all about is that reciprocation of like I am giving and receiving the same amount. And that is what so many couples, regardless of gender, are missing because the world we live in is so masculine and everything mm -hmm. is masculine. The women are masculine, everybody, right? And so that balance, you're, you're not seeing it. And so, you know, everything kind of falls. Yeah. And then we've got out of balance and, you know, here we are trying to like, you know, raise the vibration of the collective and we're all like over on the masculine side and like there's, there's no balance. And right. I think that that is where, you know, the work that you do comes in and just to kind of, you know, give people a little bit of like a fun little tie up for us today. What would you say are, you know, maybe just like three things that people could do to incorporate intention around nourishing their womb, their, you know, sacral center, um, just kind of like bringing that into their lives, into their awareness? So number one, just connecting to it every day, like put your hand on the space and just ask it, hey, how are you doing today? Right? Like just that. Right. It's so simple. But would do we ever do it? No. It's just like that check-in we talked about earlier. Um, it's simple, but just just ask yourself, how are you doing today? Right. And then asking, what do you need today? Like, what do you need in this moment? Right. So I think that those are really, really important. Um, the other thing I like to do is um, if you're somebody that likes to journal, is to journal with your womb. Um, you know, you can kind of get into a meditation so you're nice and relaxed, but then just asking your womb some questions like, what do I need to create for my home life for my business or whatever what what creation is coming to mind or um what do i need to do to feel embodied every day um what's a new practice i need to start implementing right like there there's so many different questions you can ask your woman she'll always have the answers um and then you know, I think diving into that shadow of your womb is so vitally important as um, there's so much that we house in there that we need to get rid of. Um, if all of our chakras are like, you know, closets and our body is our house, 
the womb is the largest closet that we have. It's uh, it's packed full to the brim with stuff. Um, and there's so much that we house there that is not serving us. Um, people pleasing, overgiving, um, not really understanding yourself, um, not understanding what you're here to do and doing something that is soul crushing. Um, you know, religious trauma, like all, all of this stuff is just small examples. So removing those things are, is going to be the most efficient way at really finding yourself. Um, and so that, that is really, really important. Um, so, and I actually, I, one of the, a great way that you can do to start a shadow work, uh, or especially a womb shadow work specifically, is um, I have a womb shadow work journal. Uh, so that's something that someone could start off with just to kind of tap into some of that, the dark side of their their womb a little bit. Um, that, might, that might help. Mm, I love that. And so Speaking of the journal, we we have your your very first you know book that we've talked about. We have the journal. Where else can people find you, and what other things are you you know breathing life into right now? Um, so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. It's just at the underscore womb witch. Um, and then, uh, I have a podcast as well, which is called witchcraft and wellness. So that's a place you can listen to me about, you know, all things, health and wellness, especially shadow work. Um, and you know, right now I'm really excited. I've created something new, um, that, that I'm calling dark goddess flows, which is, uh, kind of I created because I I loved the concept of kundalini but I hated kundalini <laughs> um just didn't vibe with me as much as I wanted it to so I created something myself um and so that's something that I I have um I have a challenge coming up right now but by the time this airs I'll actually have um some bundles that people can purchase uh so there'll be packs of flows is what they're called, which is kind of like your Koreas essentially. Um, so those are, um, I have a, I have like a dark goddess school on my website. So you can purchase meditations and past workshops and you'll also be able to purchase these flows um, in bundles as well. So those are, that's what I'm really excited about now because that's kind of like a, that's new and uh, different. So yeah. But, yeah. I think that one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about your work is that you have done a lot to make this very accessible for people. Yeah. yeah um yeah. you do a lot in terms of just getting on, you know, your social media and just talking about yeah yourself, your journey, how you've incorporated this, what this is. Um because again, I feel like a lot of times like there's a lot of shroud and mystery and ambiguity like around these things and it's not even necessarily like gatekeeping it's just that people are like mm -hmm. i really don't understand what the hell that is and how it relates mm -hmm. to me and how it could help me 
Um, so I see you sharing a lot and really like breaking that down into very like bite size, um, informative mm -hmm. moments for people. Um, right. In addition to making a lot of different ways where either people can work with you, they can work with you individually in a group, they can yeah, purchase things right. to do on their own, whether it's a journal or a meditation or watching a past workshop. Um, to me, like being a leader is the fact that you're showing up to serve, right? Like you're showing yeah, up right. because this is your calling mm -hmm. and it's your purpose and you're here to help heal. Mm -hmm. um, not because you're, you know, trying to like scale to seven figures and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, cool. Like it's great. Yeah. You know, like energetic exchange is important and all of those things. But yeah. again, when I see people who truly have like a lot of tiered offerings where there's a lot of value for very accessible prices, yeah. that's something I always like to yeah. highlight to just kind of be like, hey, like these people mm -hmm. are the real deal. Like they really are doing this because they yeah. care about what they're doing. They also need, you know, need to like house themselves and feed their families. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. But you know, it's not this like unless you pay like three payments of three thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars, no, yeah, like I hate that. you can't yeah. talk to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I I do try to be very accessible because that is really important to me. I think it's important to make money. I don't think that there should be any reason we should fear money. But at the same time, there are people out there that just like can't do that right now. What, they don't get the healing because of whatever? Like, no. Um, so I that is something that is I'm very passionate about. So I do have, you know, meditations and things that people can purchase really, really low end. Um, my group program, Womb Alchemy, which is my group Womb Shadow Work uh, program, uh, that actually I do a scholarship every every round. There's a scholarship for people in need that uh, need that. And so that's something that, I mean, that scholarship is one of my favorite things because the the magic it has brought to some people that really needed it was is amazing, um, you know. So I always I always that that piece is just so important I think um, for people, yeah. you know, and yeah. also because like I I hear on a, a daily basis people saying to me, "Ooh, I don't want to go into my womb. Like I don't want to see what's there." If I were to just be like, "Yeah, this is the only way you work for me, thousands of dollars," people would be like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> you know, so, so like, like I already have my own blocks, and then you're going to create he, he, even right. more blocks. Like exactly, no, I'll just never do it. Yeah, it's sometimes it's helpful to take those bite-sized pieces or like you know just those little stepping stones, and that's what I did with shadow work. I started with individual sessions and then I did a group set thing and, it, you know, it kind of led to there. So, you know, I, sometimes that is an important way to start because you got to get your feet wet before you just dive in sometimes, unless you're a person that just likes to dive in, which I've had those people and I love them. Uh, they've paid my bills, <laughs> but, <laughs> but essentially not everybody's like that. And, and you got to meet, you got to meet people where they're at. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your effort, for your service, for all the amazing things that oh, you are putting you so out much. into the world. And I am just so honored that you took the time to have a conversation about some really like, you know, fun and juicy things. I mean, we got we got some sex talk in there. Oh, yeah. like, we, we like really looked <laughs> at all the things. Um, and I am all about that. And we will make sure to link everything that Nikki mentioned in the show notes as well as um, Nikki's Instagram and TikTok handles um, so that you can follow along because 
like I said, I really enjoy following you and learning a little bit, you know, here and there every day. And um, I am looking forward to whatever it is that you're going to be putting out next, as well as the things that you already have. So thank you so much. Thank you and so I'm much sure that we'll that. be having you back for a part two, because Yay! I feel like there was like... 20,000 subtopics that we could have totally <laughs> got into. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.